Welcome to the Unlocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Brambling Wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 101 of Unblocking Crypto. How great to see you again. Good to see you, Jason. Big news, of course, is Bitcoin just turned 15. So it's crazy to think that this has been 15 years and I mean, we're still just getting started, right? So there's still a long ways to go. But on its close to its 15th anniversary, it hit about $47,000 yesterday, which I think was about a 7% rise in 24 hours. And we haven't seen that price since, what, late 2021? So exciting to see that Bitcoin is on the move. Now, probably a lot of that has to do with ETFs. And there's definitely a lot of things happening around that for sure. Yeah, yesterday was like one of those Bitcoin days where I like am looking at the price often because it's like it's just moving up thousand dollars in a few hours and that's kind of exciting. <clears throat> but yeah, Bitcoin turning fifteen, you know, I have often I'm like, this is taking forever. This is so slow. You know, like each day is long. But then you look back and like fifteen years, it has didn't exist fifteen years ago. So for what it needs to do, which is get people to put down their phones and learn a little bit about how the world works, how the monetary systems work and central banks and that private money is something that existed for a long time. I mean, you know, you got to really unwind a lot of what people are born into, into these systems and they don't understand it. So in 15 years, you've got, what do they estimate, like 1% adoption or something on that order. So that's pretty good because the first 10 years, nobody got it. <laughs> like it was, a, I mean, it was, the numbers are real small. So, uh, but it, like, you know, that S curve, the adoption S curve, if you hit that little bend when it starts to go up and gets more vertical, that's when people start to really get it. And the ETF, I think is part of that, part of that inflection point. So uh, we're going to talk about it again today because that's the biggest news in in Bitcoin, really. Yeah, so I think before we jump into the ETF side of things, because that will dominate a lot of the conversation, I, I wanted to throw out the prediction that Arthur Hayes made. And I, I know we've talked about him a lot being one of the, um, oh my God, bit, one of the exchanges that failed and he got arrested, yada, yada, yada. But he has become this pretty good philosophizer of what's going to happen with crypto in general and one of the things that he mentioned was be careful about march of this year so there are two things in the financial world that happen the first being the federal reserves reverse repo program rrp is coming down quite a bit so it was about two and a half trillion dollars and by march it's going to get down to probably 200 billion so it was this, this place that I think a lot of companies were able, or banks were able to get some free money from and kind of get almost guaranteed interest. And that's drying up quite a bit. And then... Um, so let me let me jump in on that while you're, before you jump to the next thing, because I've spent a outsized portion of my time trying to understand the reverse repo market. And the, here's my take on it. One... That reverse repo market is really like backup liquidity for the bond market. So like short-term bonds, uh, if it, it, they're getting overnight rates that are comparable to like the two-year. 
<clears throat> so instead of buying the two year, you just put it into reverse repo. You you make your your nightly interest rate. It going to two hundred billion isn't a huge deal because two hundred billion is kind of where it lives prior to pre COVID. It's not abnormal for these numbers to be, you know, where they are. Two trillion is the weird part. So what it tells you is there's just a ton of money out there, and they're like, well, we don't want to buy, we don't want to lock it up for two years, right? So you know, this is some short term money, and now it's it's drying up. And when money dries up in a year, it makes me think that they will print more money or they'll loosen things up, whether they whether they actually QE or whether they pull some weirdo lever or create some other way to do it. Uh, so I don't think that, I, well, again, man, I'm, I'm super biased towards being a, a bullish person in general or an optimist. But I think if that if that reverse repo value drops too low prior to an election and they have liquidity issues and asset values start dropping, then I think that you'll see the government step in somehow. So I'll let you go to your next point. But just just to play counterpoint on on reverse repo values or the reverse repo value dropping, uh, there's there's two ways to think about it. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the way I understand it is because it's an election year, it is not going to be continued. So liquidity definitely dries up and something has to happen, right? So it it is, I mean, this is a, a theory, right? It, I don't know if it officially affects it. But the other thing that was going on with Bank Term Funding Program, BTFP, is set to expire on March 12th. And a lot of what that has enabled is for banks to kind of I, get, I think get money so they don't have to realize some of these losses on the bonds because there's Correct. a lot of outstanding bonds that are they're very much in the hole for. So with this expiring at the end of or middle of March, there is a, a high possibility that a lot of banks because could almost maybe even go bankrupt, right? I mean, or, or run into the same issue that we ran into a year ago. And with both of those happening at the same time, it's, it's definitely a question mark, right? It, could it affect things? Yes, no, who knows? If it does affect things, it's not a crypto thing this affects. It's an entire market thing this affects. And his prediction was, don't be surprised to see a 20 to 30% drop. And for, for Bitcoin, it's going to affect them too, or crypto. He thinks it will recover pretty quickly, right? But his view is that the buying opportunity is is probably around that time frame when all of this happens. So so I'll play counterpoint again if you want. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so if I were to make a bet, if I was going to put my money down on, hey, this government program is going to expire and it's going to tank the market, I would not bet that. I would bet they just extend for another year or two or whatever, or indefinitely. I I feel like that, that like whenever they create these these programs – and these pools of money for banks to pull out of, they never go away. So I, I think if I like, I don't know how to put numbers on that, but I wouldn't bet $1 that, that the BTFP expires when they say it's going to expire. I think that his thought is typically with an election year, none of this stuff is going to get re-upped. Um, and if it does, it is going to be not a good thing, I guess, for the people in, in control. So theoretically that means Biden has, Kind of a black eye from something like that if it does happen but we'll see yeah. right we'll see i i think uh for me there's they when they want to do something 
they explain, well, if we don't do this thing, the banks will fail, and it'll be a systemic do cascading of dominoes, which destroy the entire economy. So we have to. Oh, also, the money's already there, and it's a loan program, so the banks will pay it back. And it, it, there's just there's just too many things. I mean, like, look at the PPP loans, right? All right, we're going to start this thing. Everybody's going to pay it back. We got a, you know, this long term program, blah, 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 blah. They're like, I just give them the money. That's, if we, if we, if we make them pay it back, it's going to be a drag on the economy. It's going to take recovery forever and da, 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 da. So just give them the money and we'll go. So whatever, what, you know, whatever will pump up the economy is what they're going to do. And uh, I mean, I think like just to, to drag this even further through the mud, if you look at the jobs report, <clears throat> 20 to 35% of the jobs that are created every time are government jobs. And then there's another handful of jobs that are secondary to government jobs. So, you know, it's, yeah, oh, look at employment. Everything's great. Economy's great. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, you print money and then pay people to do nothing with it. So, yeah, jobs, people have jobs. So, and they just, everything's just pumped up, right? A lot of those jobs are part-time jobs and second jobs and things like that, but nobody reads past the headline. So it, it's all just it's all just garbage to kind of keep this thing floating. I think that it floats. I think I, I, will we see a dip in March? Maybe. I mean, it's it seems like crypto having dips happen in the twenty twenty COVID dip, but that, well, we've never seen an ETF. I mean, the ETF's going to slowly dribble money in. It'll it'll start out pretty hot, I think, and then money's just going to flow in on a, like a steady. 401k type basis and i i i think dips will get bought i don't think that i don't think you'll see a big dip um that's that's kind of where i'm at i, I honestly we're we're today we're something like 47,000 so a 30% dip from here is something like 32,000 and i think last week i said we won't go lower than 33 so you know well, that's yeah i mean that's, I, that's, that's pretty today, safe right i mean yeah, if you're talking about by March, I mean, there's a good chance there is there is a chance that Bitcoin can be in the sixty or seventy range, which puts a thirty percent dip back to where we are today. <laughs> right, That's so true. It, yeah, it, Bitcoin I mean, tumbles it, it, all the way back to prices not seen since January. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that That's fair. Is, That's fair. It's not not a good time, right? I mean, people get scared of thirty percent, and thirty percent in Bitcoin is is nothing. Norm, normal, <laughs> I mean, norm, it, super normal. It, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I, with you about it being bought pretty quickly, I think that would happen very quickly, especially assuming the ETF gets approved. And, and maybe that's a good segue into the ETF. There's a ton of positive news coming out of all of that. And if you look at all of the fees that everybody's releasing, I think the, the lowest yeah. one is, is bit, Bitwise. They're given six months for free, and then it's 0.24%. Um, and then you have like ARC 21 shares and VanEck are... At 0.25%. I think, what was it? BlackRock is at 0.3 and Franklin Templeton was at 0.29. So, yep. that, I mean, those are all really low. And then you have Grayscale on the other side of the fence that their current GBTC fund is at 2% and they're dropping it to 1.5%, which is way higher than what everybody else is doing. But what they look at is no one wants to take that taxable effect taxable change to change somewhere else so they're going to keep it there plus they have what 27 million dollars billion yeah 27 billion in assets under management already right so and a ton of daily liquidity change. a ton of daily volume yeah, too. What, 
350 million in daily volume, right? So the liquidity is going to be there, which liquidity is a, a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of talk about now that it's being an ETF, what if you see the volatility in Bitcoin that you have seen in stock markets that causes a pause in trading, right? So if your money's in an ETF, you can't sell, right? It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, I was looking at these fees and just say just say point three is kind of the kind of the low end fees, BlackRock Arc, Bitwise, and Van Ecker in that kind of range. Fidelity's point three nine. So I'm like, okay, for these guys to actually get into this game, if they thought that there was gonna be ten billion dollars in assets under management, point three percent they're you know, they're talking about that's thirty million dollars a year. And that's absolutely nothing to any, even the small guys, it's not a lot of money, but for BlackRock to be jumping through hoops, working weekends to, to get all this stuff done. I'm like, I think that these, that these guys are expecting some, at least in the long term, some pretty big numbers to come through. And for these, for the winning ETF, right? Like the, all these guys are trying to be the number one big ETF because like the winners continue to win in these situations. So there's a uh, applications in maybe a couple of them drop out and let's say there's eight that start only two or three are going to, are going to really get that, get the volume. Right. And, and if you're a big investment house, that's like, all right, we're looking to get our, our guys into Bitcoin and in a big way, right. We want to do, we want to make a multi-million dollar buy on a fairly regular basis or sell you can't go with a small guy because they don't, they're not going to have the volume and the liquidity that you're just going to, you know, you're going to trash the order book. So for me, these guys are just competing to, to get that number one spot. You get the number one spot, you're going to have say 70, 80% of all of the Bitcoin ETF volume on your, on your ticker symbol. And so may, I mean, a hundred billion at 0.3% right now, you're, you know, you're talking real money, like, you know, 300 million to to a year in fees, 300 million a year in fees to just basically do very little. You know, I, I can't imagine how easy it would be to to program an ETF to run on run Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, and then just send out paperwork for taxes. I mean, that, there's nothing to this. There's not there's this seems like a super easy thing to run, but they're not going to do all this crap to, because they want, think they're going to make $30 million a year. So, you know, and, and there's probably five or $10 million in costs. So, it, you know, you're talking about a profit of 20 million. These guys aren't going to do that. So I think they expect big things. And so, you know, I think that's the fees tell you that. And then on the second side, on the grayscale side, that this could backfire on them. Because if you're a big investment house, a big firm, and you're putting together, hey, this is the plan. You're not going to buy into Grayscale and say, "Hey, yeah, this the fees are one and a half percent here," because you you're sticking your neck out because hey, everybody else is at 03 percent, give or take, or a half a percent or less. Why am I paying triple to to six x? Yeah, why am I paying all these fees? So for new money to choose Grayscale would be very difficult, and for Grayscale to be put into to a model or you know a, a financial plan. It's going to be very difficult. And then further to that, you know, you mentioned March and some reasons why things may be bad. Well, another thing that's bad about March is people cash out of stuff so that they can pay their tax bill. And 
if 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 you're Bitcoin in grayscale, you're like, well, I got a I got a four million dollar tax bill. I might as well just take it out of grayscale, pay take some of that cash and pay for it, and then I'll put that money into the BlackRock ETF and out of grayscale. So they could they could lose. There, there's potential to lose. I think that they do feel like they have captured a lot of their investors because of the capital gains and taxable event that would occur. So would you rather pay 15 or 20% in capital gains plus state, or would you rather just pay 1% more per year to have them hold it? You know, that's, that's a little bit of a, uh, a decision to make. I mean, if you're in there for 10 years or 15 years, you know, you could pay it now. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I do like how hot and heavy all of these, like BlackRock submitted their fee 5.5% or something like that. And then everybody else came in and BlackRock amended theirs to drop it down to 0.3% with, you know, and then, and then they have these incentives to get money early so that they can kind of draw out an early lead and attract that more money. So like they're at 0.2% for the first six months or for the first 5 billion in, in funds. So uh, to me, like it's looking good. Yeah. But Grayscale's doing weird stuff. I, I know that it would be difficult for them to say, "Hey, yeah, I know we're I know we're making five hundred million dollars a year off of off of GBTC as a as a closed in fund, but we're going to have to drop that to 0.4 percent. So you know we're gonna we're gonna gut ourselves and we're gonna go from five hundred million a year to one hundred million a year. Hope that's okay because I think that's the big money maker for the entire organization. And I mean, the other big question with Grayscale that people could leverage from some FUD is, hey, they're part of DCG, right? So DCG has been in hot water for a while. And does that worry investors to be involved with Grayscale if all of a sudden their parent company can't actually pay any of their bills? And then what happens to that fund, right? And now you would hopefully, if it gets changed to an ETF, there's some protections there. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think that, that like this is not FTX. Right. This is a SEC regulated. I mean, everybody's going to jail if you can't get the ETF is it's not paper Bitcoin like FTX was paper Bitcoin. You know, they are giving you a certificate that is effectively redeemable for the value of the Bitcoin. They buy the Bitcoin and it I, I. I think some of these ETFs might even be transparent about the wallet so that you can verify how much BTFs in there. I wouldn't be surprised if like the Bitwise and the ARCs, you know, kind of the crypto guys that are into this do. I'd be shocked if BlackRock does something like that. But this isn't there this isn't a shell game that they're going to play. So, uh Grayscale they've got a, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's not like their names that good. You know, if if this was BlackRock and they're like, yeah, we're one percent, we're double the 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 average, but we're BlackRock and we got this figured out and we've got you know the biggest monsters on our team and we've got the most liquidity and the most volume. So, I mean, this is a gamble to me if you're if you're grayscale. Uh, so we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I currently own GBTC because it's the only thing you can buy. I'm happy to I'm happy to not own it at one point five percent fees. I mean, that's like, that's like, I might as well have a dead good financial advisor uh, telling me, Hey, buy Bitcoin. And then they don't do anything else for years and they get one and a half percent. So I, I, 
I think that most young people will not be interested in that. Well, the good news for me is that it's under a Roth IRA. So taking it out of GPTC and putting it somewhere else is not a taxable event. <laughs> so benefits on that end. But so a couple other things from an ETF perspective, some of the seeding news has been really interesting. And, and Van Eck has been just an interesting one to listen to because I think they have the HODL tag and now they have, I think, about $72.5 million in seeding that they're planning on doing. They're also planning on giving 5% of their profits from the ETF back to the Brinks Bitcoin core developers, which is the same company that Jack Dorsey's fund had invested, I think, $5 million back in June of 2023. So, I mean, they, they have a lot of ties into the Bitcoin community, and maybe that gives them an advantage. I'm not sure. But then you have companies like Bitwise, who also are very Bitcoin-friendly or crypto-friendly. Um, they've talked about a $500,000 seeding fund, which is tiny compared to the Van Eck one. But apparently, Pantera Capital has said that they're willing to throw $200 million. Of course, it's not non-binding and all that kind of stuff, but still, $200 million is, is a large amount a lot. Um, and, and gets, gets some attention. So I am of the opinion that if I were to be launching an ETF in knowing what I know, I would not target crypto people. I wouldn't target Bitcoin people. They've already got Bitcoin. They, no, anybody under the age of 40 should have no problem opening a Coinbase account and providing KYC information. And I mean, I guess if you're a libertarian and a diehard, maybe that KYC is a bit of a roadblock. But how many websites do you sign up for in any given year? You know, and how many times do you provide confidential information all the time? You know, if you're 70, I'm not putting my social security number on the internet. So I would not target crypto people in any way if I were to be launching an ETF. The only thing I would do if I was like, if I was a traditional house like BlackRock or Wisdom Tree or Fidelity, I would maybe buy a small company that had a lot of expertise on Bitcoin so that if something happens, if there's news, somebody calls, wants to sell, ah, man, we're, I'm freaking out because guess what, man? Bitcoin news happens every day and it's either going to a million dollars or it's going to zero. It's never like, hey, this is moderate good news or this is kind of bad news. It's like into the world, everything's, it's under quantum computing here and it's going to zero or it's, you know, scarcity and adoption and it's going to go to a million in a month. So if you're 70 years old, you're going to flip out and you need to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. So that would be the only thing that I would do is just have like a, like a boomer translator to to talk to these guys and talk them down from jumping in and out or how to absorb these big moves these big like you said 20 30% drops that that if you've been in it since 2017 is 0 0% zero blood pressure change when when you see a 30% drop heart attacks right for people that are in a 60 40 portfolio yeah we talked about horrible news right i mean bitcoin i think has been declared dead 474 times at this point, something like that, right? It's, it's well over 400. So um, yeah, the, the news is horrible. Everybody's trying to kill it. But at this point, even Jim Cramer thinks it's going to last, so, which actually kind of scares him. Yeah, <laughs> so, death nail. So the other thing that's kind of interesting is, I mean, we're talking about deaths and 
I think saying some good things and there's also you could say there's a couple of things to be worried about and one of which Curry's ETF application kind of showed that there was a clause in there that allowed the US government to seize all the Bitcoin in the fund. So this has happened before with gold, right? I mean, what was it, 1933, 34, something like that? The US executive executive order 6102. Yeah, 6102. Yeah, yeah. So and so people didn't hoard gold during the Great Depression. They took your gold. I think it finally came back in, what, 70-something? I think in, what, 1917, there was, you weren't allowed to trade with the enemy. So... You could do nothing or else you would be in trouble and arrested, yada, 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 right? So if something does, crazy does happen and the government decides they want to take over some of these funds and Bitcoin goes crazy, if it's in an ETF, you, you can't do anything about it. If you're holding your own keys, complete different story, right? So there is an advantage to opening up a Coinbase account, buying Bitcoin, moving it off the Coinbase account into your own hard wallet and being able to freely transact it with anybody you want without having to have permission. <laughs> yeah, but I, I put that, I put the government seizure of Bitcoin via the ETFs in the same bucket as the government seizing everyone's 401k. You know, like you hear about it, yep. man, What what's the percent chance that the government seizes people's assets? And I, I, it can't be very good. So, you know, I am not selling my Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin ETFs. We'll probably buy Bitcoin ETFs in retirement accounts and stuff like that. But I, the government seizing Bitcoin is not something that I'm, I'm is keeping me up at night. That's not I'm not I'm not very worried about that. I I, I do not like the government, and I'm not worried about it. So if you're if you're to the to the left of me or the right of me, which I guess I don't know which one, and you think that this is a real like fifty fifty that the government's going to capture all of the Bitcoin and in the ETFs, then that's, you know, that's on you. I, but that, that would be, that would be monumental, right? There's gotta be something, there's gotta be a bunch of stuff that goes down before that, that would give you enough warning and, and like, okay, sell the gains, pay the taxes on the ETFs, buy the spot Bitcoin, you know, hide it in the, in the backyard, you know, in a coffee can. Yeah. I mean, I guess my thought is I'm becoming a bigger fan of black swan events. And since they're happening more and more often, <laughs> fair enough. If, if you're worried, then that's one thing to think about, right? And just having the clause in there is is very suspect. I don't understand why it's even in there. Yeah, and and Valkyrie, I kind of gotten to where I like those guys. I've listened to their ETF Bitcoin ETF guy talk a few times, and he sounds sharp, and I like what he has to say, and he seems connected. I think he's the one that said his sources said that BlackRock had two billion dollars of customer funds waiting to be deployed right out of the gate when the ETFs approved. Well, on a on a podcast or a Twitter Spaces or something I was listening to last week. So I uh, listen to him talk. It's fascinating that you can just listen to the people that are running the show talk. I mean, before this, I was driving over listening to the Bitwise. CEO who's in the commercial with the most interesting man in the world, like cheering, cheersing a, a glass. And he's just sitting there chatting about what he can say about the ETF. And then the two other guys are talking about talking around him basically and saying the things he's not allowed to say because he's in a current approval process with the SEC. So it's like, you didn't get this 10 years ago. You know, you didn't get this five years ago, really. 
it's it's pretty it's a pretty cool time to to watch something like this and i mean honestly this we talk about this etf and i mean i'm getting kind of tired of it too but the days go by slow but it's not very often that a new asset class hits the stock market like this and it's never hit it with 11 etfs being released at the same time you know this is this is the sec trying to make up for the perceived mistake they made with gold and the GLD ETF where they allowed one and it had a 0.4% fee and it's never had to change. It's never had a challenger. And, you know, there's other gold ETFs, but they're nothing close. You know, GLD has like 50 to 60 billion in assets under management and nobody's ever touched them because they had such an early lead. All the liquidity goes there. Anybody that's moving that they know that GLD is the ETF to use. So, okay, well, well, let's let's change it up. Well, now, all right. This is this might be a mistake too because you're going to have everybody pushing their clients into these new ETFs because they all want to be the leader. And so, I I could see where you get a big ramp up, and then uh, then there's like a, a little bit of a pullback after the ETFs release. Yeah. So, kind of along that same line. I don't think this is being talked about much, but we've talked about with the three banks failing that institutions had a hard time getting into Nevada crypto. But there is now a Franklin Templeton-backed company, RDC, which is Receipts Depository, Depository Corp. They are in the process, um, and they expect this to happen in weeks at this point, issuing a Bitcoin-based Bitcoin depository receipts uh, program that pretty much will be Bitcoin, but it doesn't have to be approved by the SEC. So this is already something that exists today for banks, especially to have access to or shares in like foreign banks for companies and banks to do that. They, they go through this process and um, it, it's only available to accredited institutional investors, but it is also going to allow people to bring their Bitcoin in and redeem it for DRs. Or if they have the DRs, they can redeem it for actual Bitcoin and have the Bitcoin sent to them. So we, we're missing this on the Bitcoin ETS for institutions. They have to pretty much cash out and go buy the Bitcoin if they want to. But on the, on the institutional side, they can actually buy these DRs with Bitcoin or get the money out and have their own Bitcoin. And, I, and I'm assuming it's not a taxable event, but I honestly have no idea. I don't know. I haven't. Thought about that. I, I was thinking that corporations and big players would use the ETFs to get Bitcoin exposure. I just feel like there's a bunch of people that don't want to take the time to learn how to custody Bitcoin and figure it out. And it's like the, the ETFs are the, the magic pill that you can take to lose weight. Like people that are in Bitcoin at this point are the guys or the people that eat right, exercise and get like, get it, get healthy the hard way. And the ETF is like the Ozempic shot that like, ah, I don't need to worry about all that stuff. I'll just, I'll just get the same result without any of the work. And so uh, do you want to be like a half kind of program like that, where you, you make it a little bit easier for, for institutions to get exposure to Bitcoin, but they still got them. They still have Bitcoin. So I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'd have to figure that one out. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's cool to see other things are happening, right? And if for some reason the SEC decides to hold off on Bitcoin spot ETFs for a little while, then maybe this picks up a lot of speed and 
and turns into institutions going there instead of ETFs, right? I, I think there's still a need for ETFs, especially for all the asset managers to have access. I guess the question is, do institutions do this or do they do something like the DR? So if I was an institution or if I was a company that had a couple hundred million dollars in, in assets or in cash or treasuries or whatever I was using for my, my treasury, I would be looking to get Bitcoin exposure before this ETF launches. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to wait. And if that's a way to do it, then I would do that uh, because why wouldn't you? If you're going to have, if you're going to have money two years from now, and eventually within two years, these ETFs are going to be launched. It might be within two weeks, they might launch, but definitely within two years. So if you've got money that you're not going to spend in the next two years, yeah, there's, you can put it somewhere else, but you got to put some of it towards Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's, it's just too in your face. I've never, I've never seen Bitcoin in a position that was this obvious that things were going to go up eventually right in 2017 we're in they could have gone to zero the block wars i mean there's a million things that could have gone wrong government could have stamped it out it was tiny that's all of that stuff goes away when the bitcoin etf launches so i, I think you know michael Saylor's way on the other side of this but if i were running the show at a at a even a public company i would be doing whatever i could do to say hey look guys we got at least buy gbtc like at least get us into something that's going to appreciate it's just seems it seems too easy and i mean look at the price man it's like once the once blackrock got into the game once you know things kind of heated up we went we're almost at fifty thousand dollars of bitcoin six months ago it was 25 yeah if i'm running a company and one i would probably buy bitcoin to start right but if you're not sold on holding your own bitcoin yet I mean, the DR side of things sounds really interesting to have access and then be able to turn it into actual Bitcoin as soon as the company is prepared to do that, right? I mean, maybe there's a lot, lot more effort that needs to happen, multi-sig wallets and understanding what's going to happen there before that progress needs to be moved forward. But yeah, it, it's kind of cool. Yeah, too, but you, so. yeah, but you're right. If you get that deposit depository note and then cash it in for cash and then buy the ETF when it's available and never have to touch Bitcoin and deal with all of the trying to explain to your board how to do this and that and custody stuff. It's just like, look, guys, we're going to, we're going to put 2% into these Bitcoin notes or Bitcoin certificates of deposit effectively. And then we're going to cash them out, pay the capital gains. And then whatever is left, we're going to buy the ETF and it's going to be 2% of our freaking treasury. So even if it goes to zero, the 98% of our treasury that's making 5%, you are still going to be, you know, at 103% of where we are today in a, in a year, even if, even if this Bitcoin idea goes into the trash can. So to me, it's, I don't know. When I first got into Bitcoin, I was super busy. Like I was running a business and flat out. I had time to like listen to a podcast here and there and then learn some stuff. Not in, not in a big way, but like enough to where I've, a decent amount of money into Bitcoin. I can't, I, I know the CEOs, I, like they're not that busy, you know, they're, they drive cars too. And they don't, you know, they, that's the best time to throw a podcast on. So I, I, I'm not, I'm, it's very strange to me that more people aren't, aren't seeing this opportunity because they're so busy that they can't find the time to, to listen to a podcast or, you know, read about it. So we're talking a lot about Bitcoin ETFs, but one of the things that isn't really being mentioned a ton right now is Ethereum ETFs. 
and it is kind of sneaking up at the same time too. The SEC has a deadline now that starts in, I think, May of 2024 to approve an Ethereum ETF. And there's a lot of talk about this that the CFTC is actually already pretty much declared Ethereum a commodity with what they've done with the futures and approving all that. So if the SEC deems that Ethereum is now a security, not a commodity, now all of a sudden you have the SEC versus the CFTC that are kind of going up against each other. There's a lot of opinions that think that, or Standard Charter, I guess, is opinion, I think is you will see a Q2 approval for a Ethereum ETF, literally right behind Bitcoins, uh, and that there could be up to $100 billion in 2024 to come in to ETFs. And I'm sure a majority of that's going to be Bitcoin, but I think Ethereum will be some of that too, right? And that's still a lot of money, right? So... Yeah, you can put me on the list of people that think that there will be an Ethereum ETF. I don't remember when I did it recently. I got rid of some junk crypto that just kind of picked up over the years back when I was buying non-Bitcoin stuff. And it... Yep. Yeah. So some other news, and, and maybe it's I care more about it than you do because I had some money at Celsius, but Celsius just announced that they plan on unstaking some of their Ethereum to make sure they have enough liquidity for reimbursing all the creditors that they have. Uh, there's been a, uh, an announcement that they're gonna be coming out of bankruptcy, yada, yada, yada. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, the good news is actually all of my Ethereum that I in the, had in there, I got all out. So <laughs> it's, it's the Bitcoin that I haven't got all out on that out. <laughs> kind of frustrating. But, so that that's, I guess, headed in the right direction, at least for sure. And then some really cool things about Bitcoin that I don't know if you pay too much attention to, or I shouldn't say cool, interesting things. There was somebody that sent 27 Bitcoin to the original wallet that had the first Genesis Bitcoin mining reward. So 27 Bitcoin, I think is just over a million dollars of Bitcoin, but this is a wallet that hasn't moved in years and the theory behind all of this is that someone is trying to dox Satoshi Nakamoto, right? Since it's his wallet, I mean, shoot, he has, what, over a million Bitcoin in over a handful of wallets. So it's about $50 billion of value that are locked up in these wallets and still no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. So if he doesn't come out and declare who he is, then he is theoretically breaking the law, but you can argue he probably doesn't care. <laughs> that's hilarious if that's the case. Yeah, that that's if that's really the case, then that is the most amazing thing I've, I've ever heard. The other thing about Bitcoin, too, is it just got sent to the moon. I'm not sure if you heard about that, but it is now officially the first financial asset that ever has ever been sent to the moon. Uh, so there's a couple companies that kind of got together to do this, but they in, inscripted on a 43 gram coin and it actually has a public address that starts with one moon BTC. <laughs> so, pretty freaking amazing. I think they put kind of one of the original blocks on there and all that kind of stuff, but it just got sent up to the moon. So that is kind of cool to hear about and another first for, for Bitcoin. And then we've talked about ordinals and inscriptions. You probably were like me and have played some of the Nintendo systems back in the day. There is a company called Ninja Certs, I think, and they are 
and scripting a Super Nintendo system onto a Super Nintendo emulator onto Bitcoin's blockchain. So it's apparently a very expensive thing to do. I mean, if you look at it, I think it's about 44 bucks per kilobyte of data to do that. And most of the, I think the entire Super Nintendo system is like 10 megabytes. So it would not be a cheap thing to do. And this might be better done on something like internet computer <laughs> where it's like $5 a gig. But it's still pretty cool that they're putting Nintendo onto Bitcoin. And then from an NFT perspective, a couple of things to mention. OpenSea, who used to be the largest marketplace for NFTs, is now down to the number four spot. So it's crazy how things have changed. Blur still being the number one spot and Magic Eden has kind of popped up to the number three spot. And while that's important, uh, Magic Eden was mainly a Solana uh, marketplace and Solana NFTs has just surpassed the sales volume of Ethereum NFTs in December of 2023 uh, for the first time ever. Not only that, they have two times the number of investors and, and about 10 times the number of transactions because the cost of Ethereum NFTs are much higher than Solana NFTs. So. It's interesting to see, like you mentioned earlier, that Solana, better, cheaper, faster. I don't know if that's entirely true, but at least cheaper and faster for sure. sure. <laughs> and it, it is definitely gaining some traction from a lot of different companies. And, and, and NFTs are, are growing again too, which is exciting to see. Yeah, the Ethereum versus Solana competition is something that, to keep an eye on. I think, like if Solana came first, and Ethereum was created second, I think Ethereum would have a lot of trouble passing Solana, right? I think that Ethereum is is cashing in on some pretty heavy legacy and just first, get, getting there first. And so I could see that being, being a real problem for Ethereum. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, if if Solana existed, would Ethereum be anything? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, you kind of we talked about the gold ETF and how you had the first one there, and nobody else could catch them, right? I mean, that's if you look at the TDL for a lot of these smart contract platforms, Ethereum is so far ahead of everybody that it's going to take a while for anybody else to catch them. And Solana is getting a lot of the attention, but if you really look at where everybody's going, uh, at least from my perspective, especially some of these AI coins and things like that, it's the Cosmos and the Polkadot ecosystems. Right. And um, there's, there's just so much interaction on those exchange or those programs. And they're more layer zero than they are layer ones, right? And then everybody's building on their own layer one on top of that layer zero. So it's a, a different way of looking at it. And both of those, or at least one of those came from Ethereum. Um, so it's it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like we talked about last week, I think interoperability between all these different uh, projects is going to have to be a theme moving forward for everything to work out and it's kind of what Polkadot is trying to to help with and I think Cosmos is is doing some of that as well. Yeah, the further you get away from Bitcoin, the less I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, Bitcoin is great. I, I like Bitcoin, don't get me wrong, but I am intrigued by all the innovation that's happening in blockchain in general and it can't all happen on on Bitcoin. So 
There's yeah. Nothing you have to do. No, and I think I think you're right, and and there's just too much entrepreneurialism. They're going to figure out some some things that that really pay off. So we'll see. Awesome. Anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I got a couple things. Kind of walking backwards. So BlackRock, you know, it's been in the news for for in my news, I guess, for the ETF stuff and all that. Well, they also fired 600 employees from their ESG investment group in the same week that they're cranking up on the Bitcoin ETF, which I just think is a bit of irony. I'm 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 an environmentalist, really. So I'm that you know I'm pro environment and sustainability, and but it is pretty funny because the, the way BlackRock works, they create ESG, right? They need a new thing for people to invest in, and so they created the idea of ESG investments. They got money, and then energy stocks go up because Russia gets shut down. And inflation goes up and the realization that, oh, we have to have energy today. We can't skip the step where we have nothing but sustainable energy. And so it's like, well, we need to unwind this ESG thing a little bit. And we need to rebrand nuclear and rebrand Bitcoin as environmentally friendly. So I would consider that to be like a tertiary tailwind for Bitcoin that BlackRock is is kind of divesting from the ESG game. It's just funny to me that it happened in the same week that Bitcoin's getting likely approved for an ETF. Well, I think Larry Fink had talked about how ESG had become very politicized, right? And that it was it was a great concept in general. And, and like you, I mean, I'm very much for the environment, but what some people did with Bitcoin was talk about how bad it was for the environment. And now you're seeing everything come out about how helpful it is for the environment and, and what it's able to do, especially with all of these green energy initiatives that people need. Bitcoin could be the solution to make a, making them all happen much faster than they would have any other, anyway else. Yep. I agree. So I, I just, that I thought that was worth mentioning. And then a couple of anecdotes. One, I listen to the All In podcast. Like, it's probably one of the few that I listen to very religiously. Like, I look forward to listen to those four tech billionaires talk every week for like an hour. It's it's just it's a good podcast. And so for their 2024 predictions podcast, you know, pretty pretty good stuff in there in general. But Chamath said that Bitcoin would be the most important year for Bitcoin that has ever existed. And that it'll cross the chasm into mainstream adoption in 2024, primarily due to this ETF approval. And and so, you know, they basically pick a bunch of different categories and then each of the four talk about what their, you know, their piece is for that one. So this was the most anticipated trend for 2024 for Chamath Palipapatia. So that's something, right? And again, it's like they, they do not talk about Bitcoin very often at all for tech-oriented billionaires. And so, you know, Chamath kind of got, Chamath was very pro-crypto Bitcoin for a while, and then he got kind of ousted and kind of went anti-Bitcoin and stuff. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's just another little data point that's like, huh, they haven't talked about Bitcoin in a long time. So that was interesting. And then the last one, I finally got a fold card and fold card number. 
finally after all this, which worked out pretty good because I had like a big time credit card bill for, for Christmas and traveling and stuff. And so I'm currently like in the process. So I, I did a little test. I did like a hundred dollar test run to charge up the fold card with a hundred bucks, pay a hundred dollars of a credit card bill with PayPal and then pay PayPal with the fold card and get the Bitcoin rewards from it. It worked. It's a little clunky, you know, like, oh, it takes one to two business days for this to happen. It takes one to two days for this to happen. But based, I, I'm next week, I should have like almost a thousand spins on the fold card from one, one partial credit card payment. So we'll see. And then it had like, so, it, you know, we, we, we haven't talked about the full card very often other than the fact that I got locked out of it and couldn't get one. So I finally got all that resolved. And so here, you know, here we go. I guess it's better late than never. Yeah. So they, they had a, a small issue a month or two ago where all these payment processing issues were happening where sometimes you weren't getting credited the half percent. So, I mean, I went through a month of getting, um, but it's back. So thank God that that's happening. <laughs> it was a lot of sets that I missed out on. But yeah, I mean, it to me, it's amazing. I mean, half percent of free Bitcoin every time you pay off your credit card. You're not doing anything special. And yes, it takes a couple of extra days for it to clear. So don't try to do it on your due date. Do it a week ahead of time. But it's just become kind of a thing I do on the side and it, it doesn't hurt at all to get more free free Bitcoin. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the days when credit cards had a bunch of rewards programs and you're like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this credit card. I'm going to get $1,000 and I'm going to get X, Y, and Z. And then six months later, I'm going to sign up for this credit card. I'm going to get $800. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just free money, assuming you don't end up with like a credit problem. But I don't even, I, anyway, I, I just wanted to just update on the fold card drama. Like the, the BlockFi drama is closed, right? We I got my money back out of that or got my my crypto back out of that. And so the fold card, if I can get this thing rolling and pay my credit card off with and getting Bitcoin rewards, it's, you know, that's nice. Yeah, because you get your rewards from your credit card and you get free Bitcoin for paying it off. Like it's, it's two birds. No penalty. Yeah. Yeah, no penalty, no... No, the way I'm doing it is no fees, so it, it it works. Yeah, the only catch is you have to make sure you don't have money sitting in your PayPal account when you pay off your fold card because it'll use that money first. So. Yep, and that's why I bought Ethereum with my PayPal money <laughs> to clear it out. <laughs> I, I did something similar. I was like, "Oh crap! I guess I got to buy crypto with that so that I." Don't have a balance sitting here. <laughs> yeah, and then I have a couple things that I pay through through PayPal, just like some subscription stuff because it was just easier to pay with PayPal, and so I've got to keep some money in the fold card just so that it doesn't go down the list. But but yeah, I mean, it, whatever. I'm I'm all about like I mined Bitcoin for a little while. I think I have like four or five hundred thousand Sats sitting in slush pool. And kind of same thing with fold card. So, you know, start adding up hundreds of thousands of sats. You can get into the millions pretty quick. Well, they were doing a thing for a little while where I think they were doing 23 millionaires on sats, right? They give you a million sats, which is not a million dollars. But it was with all these spins you're going to be getting from paying off your credit card. Theoretically, you have a shot at winning something like that. No. 
Chiefs yeah. Are well, nice slim, but. not to get in, not to get into the fold card advertisement weeds too much, but they have like a ninety-day trial of like whatever their premium service is, Spin Plus or something. And so I signed up for that too. So I'm about to run like almost a thousand spins at an elevated rewards rate. This is getting into like Bitcoin casino stuff, but I might as well, I'm sitting on my phone anyway. I might as well click a few buttons on, on the fold card instead of scroll doom, scroll through Twitter and see what terrible news there is or what great news there is for Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting too is their gift cards are pretty decent too. Right. So, I mean, the Amazon stuff has come way down, but it's still two and a half percent. I mean, it used to be five and a half, five percent and more. So still, if you're buying stuff on Amazon, two and a half percent, if you think Bitcoin is going to 10 X or something like that, it's almost like getting 25% back at, at some point. So there are, I do Callaway shirts for a golf tournament that I do, and it's 20% back on that. Right. So it's, there are some ones that you can find that are hugely advantageous and they have bumped up my earnings from fold quite a bit from some of those gift cards. Yeah. I guess the only thing I need to do is get referrals so that I can stop getting zeros on, on those referral when that, when that comes around. So that's, that's about it though. Yeah, I'm not good at getting referrals. Yeah. You tell a few people about it and I mean, I think you only have five or 10 max anyway, so you don't need that many at this point. Oh, okay. They've capped it and most people, you just say, hey, do you want free Bitcoin? You can literally spend every day for free and get free Bitcoin, right? And a chance to win a million sats. So it's a good way to start. They don't have to even get the full card. They can just get the app. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's where I was for like over a year. Yeah. And I think there's actually a link in the show notes for people that are interested. Go click on that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So That's it for me, awesome. man. I, I think I, I've got check marks all the way down the list of my notes. Perfect. Well, hopefully next week we'll be talking about the positive news from the Bitcoin ETF approval, possibly. So, we'll, and we'll see what that actually means <laughs> when that's going to happen. But uh, a lot of good things happening for sure. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to next week. Like, there's a chance. There's uh, if things lay down exactly perfectly, there's a chance that ETFs are running when we do this next week. Yeah, I think that's a small chance, but. There is a chance. I agree. <laughs> I think it's more. Like hey, these dudes, there. these dudes are in a rush, man. Have you ever seen the government work this hard and fast to get something done? Yeah. I've never, I, ever, ever seen any government employee ever, much less a whole organization, get this stuff done. I mean, you know, Twitter is showing me all these amendments to all these documents. They're being read, they're being commented to, and they're getting back to those institutions in like a day. Nothing happens in a day. Yeah. So and this. Something's up. So I'll, I'm happy to be sitting on Bitcoin watching what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I believe it's still weeks to months away before they officially turn it on. But if it happened next week, that'd be amazing, too. I would love that. So yeah, we'll see. Let's we shall. Awesome. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Al. Sounds good. Thanks. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.